I believe a lot of you guys walked in here today with a lot of heaviness on your heart because this is what I know for sure. The Christmas season is the season that is the most depressed, the heaviest. The things that y'all are carrying around for the very first time, someone's death that was very close to you. You're separated, you just got divorced, you, you feel lonely. The truth is, you came in here and you're in the midst of over 200 people and you feel extremely lonely right now. And I know that's some of you because I believe God just told me that. But I want you to know this, that he will be your guide till the end. Listen to me. He will never leave you or forsake you and his face will shine upon you. The greatest gift you can get this Christmas is not me opening a box and giving you something like a ring or, or giving you something even better. It's the name that's above every name. It's the name of Jesus that shines down on you. And I just believe in this place that some people need something lifted from their life today. And I know some of y'all are sitting there with your arms folded and you don't know, but we're going to lift this praise up right now. We're going to lift the lid in this place. And if you're one of them, lift it right now. Come on, let's declare to the king that he will be our guide to the end. Come on, somebody. and at the top of your lungs you got permission to do this with me and if you're too spiritual and you don't want to do it I'm not mad at you but some of us need to celebrate through some pain is anybody with me in this place and so I'm gonna give you five seconds I'm gonna let Morgan beat on some drums with us and I'm gonna give you five seconds and I just want you to celebrate at the top of your lungs that you're gonna celebrate through and you're gonna praise through so on the count of three you just lift up the name of Jesus and yell at the top of your lungs one two three come on somebody praise with me right now thank you Jesus, we don't do things like that so that we're weird or so that we shoot the lid off of the roof with our praise and, and make people feel uncomfortable that's never worshiped like that before we do it because your name is above every name. You're the place of hope. You're the place of freedom. Not, not a building and not a church, but you, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. We're not asking you to come. You're definitely here. God, I pray that hearts are changed right now, and I believe you've already done that work in them, and they're going to receive the word right now. God, I believe that this today in this moment will be the greatest harvest that this church has ever seen, and it's your harvest, not my harvest or not even this church's harvest, but your harvest. I believe that lives are going to change through the power of knowing Jesus. God, will you wake up the wonder in our lives that's not some magic or not an emotion? God, we we rebuke emotion for the sake of emotion and we receive you 
God, we're so excited because I believe that you're about to do a work in every Christian and every non-Christian's life that will change them forever and ever and ever. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Whoo, gracious day. Y'all done got me ready to preach. Come on, somebody. Woo! Hey, listen, on behalf of our amazing volunteers and our awesome staff and the people that work so hard, we just want to tell you that if you're a guest with us, you're our honored guest. We're so, we're so honored that you're here. Come on, let's give my hand for real. Awesome. And I'm just, I might say it later, but I'm just so proud not of me. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in a second, but of what God's doing. In spite of our stupidity, in spite of our failures, in spite of the fact that we are jacked up individuals, come on somebody in this place because y'all know. God says, I don't care, I'm going to use you. And I love you and it was never about you, it was about me and I'm just thankful. And so, I just want to start a little bit different. I'm gonna, I, I've got my thing that I'm going to start with, but I want to tell you guys this because I believe somebody needs it. It doesn't matter how much success that you ever get in your life. And so many, of, so many of us want success. So many of us are looking for a place of significance to, to finally matter. And that is an, an unquenchable appetite that can never be fully quenched, ever. And the more that I try to get it, the more that I'm angry. And the more that I try to have success, and that is how I define myself, the more angry I find myself and the more I twist into sin and it's because it's the enemy's little seed. It's his little trap. It's the way that he finds himself into your life and he hides it because we don't really call it pride. But it's the number one enemy of my life. It, it, every single day I have to fight against. And the verse that keeps coming to my mind, and I've loved this verse for a long time, but I don't think I quite ever understood it, is John 3.30, he must increase and I must de decrease or he must become greater and I must become less. But here's what that verse really means. He must become greater and greater and greater and greater. And I must become less and less and less and less. And I feel like maybe Mark Pangle's problem is that I became less one time and I thought I was good. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about what it means to be good. Because I feel like it's the tension for every person in this place. Like somewhere in the back of our minds, even though we might have been taught the truth of Scripture, that it's not about your good, it's about God saves you through grace and it's, it's not of my works, it's the gift of God. So no one can brag about it or boast. But then inherently, somewhere down deep, we all believe that we still need to be good enough, especially, listen Christians, especially for God to use us. Is anybody with me in here? Especially for God to use us. And that's my testimony. That, that, that is what God has had to break in my life for the last year. And I want to show y'all something that hopefully will be a little bit funny. We'll break the mood up a little bit. And if you're not, if you're from a background like I came from, very traditional Baptist background, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. That's me. Used to be. Come on, somebody. <laughs> But I need you to talk to me, so this is not appropriate in this place. Okay? I need you to say, come on, preach, yes, woo! 
anything that you want to say, but I need you to talk to me. So when I ask you a question, I'm asking you to do that and open your mouth and talk to me. So we're going to practice this. Everybody, when I point this microphone at you, it means talk. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Come on now, y'all are good. Y'all are fast Baptocostals. Come on up in this place. Okay, but but this is kind of my tension because this is what I feel like we all deal with. It's at Christmas time, we all grew up either believing in Santa or knowing about Santa a lot because he was around and he's in every every mall and every place and it's amazing. And this is this is what we got taught, right? If if we grew up believing about Santa Claus, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Come on, somebody. That's good. Santa Claus is coming to town. And we grew up believing that he sees us when we're sleeping, knows when we're awake. So be good for goodness sake. And then, and then if you're a parent in here and you say that you haven't done this, I'm going to call you a liar and we'll all be on the same page and I'm not mad at you. But, but we all looked at our kids before. Come on, people with kids and say, ah, Santa's watching you. Come on, somebody. Phew. I haven't done that since yesterday, okay? Ooh. But, but it's hard because since I was a little kid, I've always believed in the back of my mind based on something that I wasn't even really taught, that I have to be good enough to receive, and I have to be good enough to receive. And then we've even started this, and it's just recent, so don't think we're awesome. But we've even started telling our kids, why does Santa Claus bring you presents? It's because Jesus loves you. That's why. Uh, this is really confusing now, Mom. I don't understand at all, right? But it's because I don't want my kids to grow up in, a, in an environment believing that their good works is what gets them anything. Because John 3, 27 says, same guy, same increase and decrease, same John the Baptist. He said, everything good comes from God. And James said, everything good comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And so the tension in my life is, I've got to be good for goodness sake or I'm going to get in trouble. And, and, then, and then we all know this, right? I don't want to end up on this list, right? Y'all know what, what you get when you've been naughty. What do you get? Cold. Cold. That's not, I, don't, I don't know. If I preach this to a million people, I think almost all of them because I cold. Because we know that. This is what's fascinating about, about cold is I can identify with the naughty list, right? And there's some sort of coal in there, right? It's rocks, but we'll call it coal. And, and I, can, I can identify with this because I understand that I was threatened with coal and switches and I think because they wanted to beat me. Come on, somebody, right? My mom's is right there. She knows. I, and, and so it's like, it's like the tension that you put in their life, but this is what I didn't know. This is kind of crazy. Did you know several hundred years ago in Europe, you put up a sock, and y'all have heard the songs, you hang up the sock because you didn't get a lot of presents like we do now. You don't have a tree full of stuff. And you got something in your stocking. And they loved it. The poor kids loved it when they got cold because they got to stay a little bit extra warm for a couple more days. And so cold didn't start off being bad. Cold started off being awesome. Except that the rich kids, a couple neighborhoods away, would get threatened with cold. Because in their stocking, for the nice list, they would have a present. And they would say, you're not going to get this crazy present that we spent money on. You're going to be like the poor kids. And we're going to give you the coal. And then, as society's time has gone on, we just make jokes and say, uh, you're going to get coal. You're going to get coal. I'm going to give you a lump of coal if you're bad. And it feels like when I talk to God, Sometimes I say, God, please don't give me a lump of coal. Is anybody else in here? 
Has anybody else ever, ever thought something like that before? Come on, somebody. Y'all talk to me. Has anybody else thought that? Why is that? We assume that if we've done good, that God automatically takes the score down. Yes, pastor is up there preaching. There you go, bro. You get two checkpoints for that one. Come on, Jesus. And, but you didn't do your quiet time, to, and you're bad. And so naughty list, I'm going to give you one lump of coal and one present. And it's like we take a score for God. And then we start telling God what it is and what it isn't. And it's awkward and it's tension-filled. And it's hard because this is, this is what most kids grow up doing with, we write, Dear Santa, this, is, this Christmas I'm 25 years old. And this year, plus 10, I have been one or the other, right? Are y'all with me? I'll probably have to say this for Mark. My wishes are, and we tell them, and then I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting with gifts, so pre- please bring me my gifts. And while this is, this is fun and it's cute for kids, and I'm definitely not down on Santa because, praise God, the elf on the shelf is going home tonight. Somebody say amen. Uh, if you get, it gets real awkward. Somebody talk to me. Oh, he must be sleeping. This is sad, right? But, but we're not down on Santa Claus. What I'm down on is the fact that we adults, 35 years old, still somehow back in the back of our minds believe that I have to do enough to earn God's favor. And whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian in here, the tension is equal because we feel that. And so here's what I want you to decide in this room today. Is this what you're measuring your entire life on? Do you find your satisfaction whether you're naughty or nice? Do you find your joy whether you're naughty or nice? Do you find your comfort and your peace in the fact that if I'm naughty or if I'm nice? Or is it in the person of Jesus? Because that... It isn't either or. It cannot be both. Because the truth is, now listen carefully and don't miss this, and we're going to go in to Luke chapter 18 in just a second. And if you have your Bible, tablet, phone, phablet, smablet, whatever you've got, open up to Luke 18. But listen to me, listen to me. I believe this right here is one of Satan's greatest ploys to make me believe that I am good. To make me believe that I'm good. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says right here. In Luke chapter 18, look at this. Starting in verse 18, he says, this is, this is in your headlines, it probably says the rich young ruler. And it says, a ruler asked Jesus, ask him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, wa- I want to do whatever it takes. I, wa- I want some of this, this looks good. What, what do I have to do? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Now listen, why do you call me this? Because no one is good except God alone. And so in that moment, The rich young ruler was calling him God and God, Jesus knew that that was happening. And he says, so so you recognize that you're you're saying I'm the Messiah, I'm the one, I'm I'm the one that can provide this hope and this truth for you. Do you understand that that's what you're saying to me? And I believe the rich young ruler absolutely did. And then this is fascinating because I believe this is Mark. I can define my life much like him and I never read it this way before, but listen to what it says. You know the commandments, don't commit adultery. And don't murder, and don't steal, and don't bear false witness. And that's a little bit more, but a fancy word for lie. And honor your father and mother. And Mark said, Jesus, I'm good, man, because I've kept all these. Y'all ever been there? I'm good to go. 
Got my threads on. Get, get, got my Westbrook. Some of y'all are like, I don't know who Westbrook is. That's okay. Stay with me. Like, the ones of y'all that do know, I need a shout out. Come on, somebody. But I feel like this is what I've told God so often in my life is, look, I've done all these things. Like, I'm good enough. Now, what are you waiting on? Let's go. Let's, let's change the world. Let's, let's be a world. Let God do this thing. And then Jesus drops the bomb on him, right? Right here, verse 22. When Jesus heard this, because we, we take a list and check it twice. Is anybody else with me? I'm going to find out who's naughty or nice. When, nobody. That was awkward, right? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. One thing you still lack. And you're like, I'm not rich, so I'm good. I'm off the hook. No, no, don't miss the point. It wasn't about his wealth. It was for him, but for you, you may not be wealthy. But one thing typically we hold on to. One thing. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. You can't have this, Jesus, come on now. <laughs> Please, right? He says, one thing you lack. Sell everything that you got. Distribute it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And or excuse me. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. I feel like what we tell Jesus is, I'm going to follow this Jesus and he seems pretty cool, but it's got to be on my terms. It's got to be on my terms. And this is where pride creeps in, everybody. The thing that keeps me in my seat, the thing that keeps me from wanting to have an, an unrelenting hands in the air, over the top praise. And if you're uncomfortable with that, that doesn't make you righteous. It just makes me not really care what everybody else thinks anymore. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This is the one thing in my life. Come on, you can clap. That's the one thing in my life that ties in everything. This is why, this is why I don't miss this. In God blessed America, and I'm so grateful we live here. I'm not saying that I wish I could move anywhere else. I am grateful for America. But I'll tell you this, if I got arrested on the way home tonight, I could bail myself out of jail or get my wife to do it just like that. If I get into a wreck, I can buy my way out. My insurance will cover everything that I have, at least, at the very least, with a swipe. I can get my way out. And I feel like he was saying right here, you don't desperately need me. You don't see your desperation in need of me. You don't see that the, the greatest gift is Jesus. You, you see him as one of the gifts lined up. And you haven't done and you haven't done and you haven't done and you've kept your list. But you fail to understand that I'm the whole list. I'm everything. I'm first and last. I'm alpha and omega. I'm all of it. I'm not part. I'm the whole. And the result is you've tried, 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 tried. God, why are you not blessing me? Tried, tried, tried. And Jesus is like, listen, you missed the whole point. Because I'm the whole point. I'm the whole point. Don't miss it. He says, sell everything that you have. I don't know what it, everything is for you. But this Christmas season, when everybody's so depressed, and I feel the weight, everybody. I need you to hear this. I feel the weight in this room. I feel the hurt. I feel the pain. I feel the sorrow and the sickness. And all that weight that is on you. By his stripes, we're healed. That's what. I'm certainly not down on medicine. I thank God for medicine. I thank God for doctors. But I can tell you this. The only true healing comes through the person of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. That is the only way that I can have freedom. But yet, listen, here's the tension. 
somehow, some way, I believe I can buy my way out. And if you'll be honest with yourself, wherever you're sitting, our desperation or lack thereof for Jesus is what has caused this country to be so ungodly. It is not lack of churches. Listen to me carefully. It is not lack of great pastors or lack of great people that are Jesus followers. It is lack of desperation for the king. It is lack of understanding that he is the one true gift and above him is nothing and that under him is everything and that he is and is to come and he has everything good. Listen, good comes from above waiting on me that no eye has seen, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and nor ear has heard nor heart of a man imagine what God has prepared for Mark Pangle if I love him. Not if I do enough, but if I love him. But we miss that because we think, no, I can't, I'm not, that's, that's a problem. I've got to buy or think or do or I've got to get somebody else. No, it's Jesus and that's it. He's it. And we missed it because we think that there's something else to the equation. No, salvation is not an equation. Salvation is Jesus. And that's it. Come on, somebody. And these two words are big because it doesn't mean follow me and keep holding on. It means let go. And come on. Verse 23. I feel like maybe this is the testimony of this room. When he heard this, he was very sad. I believe the greatest mission field in this country is the, the local church. Because if the local church ever got in tune with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit and all jacked up and not caring what everybody else thinks and starting to meet your neighbors and start sharing Jesus with everybody else and say, you know what, I'm not sad, I'm filled with joy. Yes, my car broke down this week. Yes, I had to buy another new battery. Yes, I had all kinds of other stuff happen. But you know what? Jesus. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> no matter how bad I fall, you are with me. I'm about to start singing. Y'all better get going. I know who goes before me. God, you'll never leave me. I just wonder why that's not our testimony, why we can't go, old preachers used to say, in the highways and hedges and reach everybody with, I think maybe that's why the church is the, the greatest mission field, because if the church is reached, then the whole world will be reached. I think the Holy Spirit is waiting on us to say, I'm desperate for you, because no eye has seen or ears heard or heart of a man imagine what he's prepared for us. And I believe he wants to move something upside down, but he's waiting on us to do the miracle. The church is through you through the person of the Holy Spirit, and he's waiting on you. But we're very sad because we tell God all of our problems, don't we? God, you just won't believe this. I know you're God and all, but you won't believe this. I, I have all these problems. I got 99 problems, and Jesus ain't one. Come on, somebody. And, and the truth is, this week, can I be honest with y'all? This was me. <laughs> and I just, was, I, I just remembered again, that's pride, bro. It's what God continues to chop and chop and chop and chop. Last night, um, a kid that I coached, who I love dearly, I'm so proud of him, he came here and he said, man, I'm just blown away because I came here two years ago and what God's doing is amazing. And I was in the VIP room with him and my throat swelled up and I started crying because I'm very emotional and I don't apologize. It's okay to cry if you're a dude, <laughs> at least for me. And I said, you know what, man? God keeps teaching me this. The more that he chops, the more that he grows me. Every day. It's unbelievable. I don't understand. And God keeps putting people in my life. And I don't, in a million years, I wouldn't have 
of guests that it would be that person or these, this group and lids are coming off of my life. And I feel like many of you are sitting where you're sitting right now saying, Pastor, that's what I want for my life. He must become greater and greater and greater and I must become less and less and less or my testimony will be very sad because I will constantly tell God what I'm not. And I will constantly tell God what he messed up on. And God did not mess up. God has never messed up. And God loves you. He made you on purpose in his image to be the light of the world. And it's because we're extremely rich. And you may not be rich with money, but you're rich with something. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, he said this, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And listen, this is crazy. Verse 25 says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, to trust Jesus as Savior and not just Savior from hell, but here as it is in heaven and see your life completely flipped upside down. Does it get easy? Whew. Nope. But it gets awesome. But here's what the eye of the needle means. When I was in Israel the second time, we had an awesome guide who I'm going to get to be with um, when we go back. And I said, Gila, I've heard all these rumors that the eye of the needle is not the eye of the needle. So can you tell me? And she was like, yes, I'll actually show you. And I was like, that's crazy because you're awesome, right? So go ahead and show me. And she took me to this place, eye of the needle. The old city of Jerusalem has these walls and they're big, crazy, awesome walls. And it feels like you're in Aladdin. If anybody remembers that back in the day, like I feel like Prince Ali, yes, he is he, Ali Ababa. That's it. Only like five people remembers that movie. That was good. Thank you. And so like it just it feels like you're going back in time when you're in the old city. And when they when merchants would enter in, they would have to go all the way around the city. And it's very hilly. Except that you had the eye of the needle gate. And this is not big. I went through like this. Okay. But camels are crazy animals and they can all the way lay down and y'all have probably seen it on TV before and literally to save so much time from walking all the way around, merchants would try to get them down, all the way down and start boom, boom and they would get people to help them and they would push their way through and they would get stuck and it would be annoying and they would get them through. I'm about to preach right now, so I need someone to talk to me right now. Sometimes you feel stuck trying to work your way through, and you got to keep pushing. You got to keep letting God do the work because you feel like I can't go anymore. I can't go anymore. And when you feel stuck, that's why we raise the roof on praise. Is anybody here today? That's why we keep going. And we feel like, no, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. No, he's the one that's pushing me through. It's not me pushing me through, but I have to humble myself before God, and he will exalt me. It's not, it's not do more, Mark. Don't be naughty, be nice. It's never been that. When God changes my heart, listen to me, when God changes my heart, my want-tos change, and I'm certainly not giving you a pass to go do whatever the heck that you want to do today. What I'm telling you is it's never been about what you did last night. It's been about the one person that can bring death to life. And then this is what Jesus said in verse 26. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? Because they knew that it was hard to push through. He says, but what's impossible with man? Everybody, what is it? It's possible with God. Come on, somebody. And some of you in this room, you came in here and you were hopeless. You were hopeless. You were, you were completely without hope the second that you walked in here. And you said, I'm wasting my time. Somebody invited me and they tricked me and I thought I was going to lunch and they came up in this place and it's crazy. 
I'm a failure. I feel like my life is done. There's no way God can heal. But I remember that by his stripes, I'm healed and everything's possible with God. And that because I love him, because he first loved me, there's going to be a healing up in this place today. And then some of y'all, there's not even a heartbeat. But Ezekiel 36, 26 says that God will take my heart of stone, that bitter, hard heart, and he'll replace it with a heart of flesh. Simply by me saying, yes, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm not going to hold on to all these other things. I'm following you. Good people, listen to me, good people die and go to hell every day. And the reason is they don't understand Jesus. They don't understand love. They, they believe that they have to love a little bit more or a little bit deeper and do a little bit more. And here's what John said in 1 John chapter 4. He's like, and this kind of love that we're talking about, don't miss it. God, this is Christmas, everybody. This is the Christmas story. This is why we do what we do. That the God of the universe looked down on a people that were filthy. The Bible says that my, my good things are filthy rags. Use menstrual cloths is what that literally translates. Filthy rags in the sight of God. All the good that I'm doing. Me preaching today, you're like, Pastor, you're good. No, to God, this is filthy rags if I'm doing it out of pride. But I'm the righteousness of God because I am his. And he bought me. And he says, listen, don't miss this. The love of God was made known, loud, shown. His glory was made manifest among us. Because he sent Jesus into the world so that we might have life through him, born of a virgin. Over 2,000 years ago, that's what Christmas is. The incarnation or the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. God became flesh and lived among us. And then 33 years later, having never sinned, he took on sin and death. Took the keys of death and hell after he swept them out of Hades. Came back up and said, Boom! I'm coming out of the grave. You can't hold me down anymore. Let's go, somebody. He's alive. And then this is what John says. Listen, we don't love a little more and try a little more. We don't try to keep it naughty or nice list. We love because he first loved us. Loved us. Is all he's waiting on. Jesus, I don't really understand, man. I know how jacked up I am. I know that this week I was short with my wife. Oh, this week, man, I, I had insecure thoughts all week long. I know this week, man, I said things that I wish I could take back, did things I wish I could take back, but that's not why you love me. You don't love me by keeping a list and checking it twice. You love me because that's who you are. And Jesus, I love you back. I love you back. Because you got to understand, Jesus didn't come to this earth to make bad people good. He did not come to make bad people good. He came to bring death to life. He came to bring death to life and that is your opportunity today. And listen, church person that's been in church most of your life, if you've been angry and never had peace, the truth is you may have said a prayer and you may have gone through motions and you may have tried really hard, but the truth is you may need life. And for you that came in here hopeless and you know that you're not a Christian, you need life. And I love this passage, y'all. This, this changed my life when I read this last week. I kick stuff in my office. When I get excited and the Holy Spirit comes in there, I start going crazy, everybody. If y'all are weirded out by that, y'all just need some Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. But Philippians chapter 3, 
I was reading through it and I, I, I sometimes just click the message version as a parallel to read it. And when I read this, I was like, Paul got it. No, no, Paul got it. He, Paul was the worst of the worst. He was the ISIS of the day, everybody. He was the one killing all the Christians and beheading them and doing the nastiest stuff. And he did it so that he could take a list and make sure that he was not naughty, but he was nice, that God loved him. And he kept trying harder and kept trying harder. And he believed if he just did a little more and I'm, I'm just going to keep praising him through. And then one day he was walking down this road called Damascus and a light blinded him. That's what salvation is, everybody. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And that light blinded him. And he says, who are you, Lord? In Acts chapter 9. And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you've persecuted. In that moment, he said, I want him. This is what that Paul, in, in our language, this is what that Paul said in Philippians chapter three. He says, the stuff that I used to hang my hat on and try to be good enough for God, that I wave around and say, look what I'm doing, God. I'm a pastor. You're welcome. I prayed every day this week. You're welcome. I'm something special. Listen, listen, I'm tearing it and throwing it out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. If anybody had a right to take credit, it was this dude. He gave his life up. He didn't even get married. He said, I will do whatever for me to live as Christ, but to die as game. But this guy's like, no, you don't understand. It's not about me. It's not about me. Because of who? Because of Christ Jesus, man. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege privilege of knowing Jesus as my master, not as my, not as my help beside me, not as someone in my life and not as someone that I'm holding on to other things and they are my master as well. I've let go of those things. I've thrown them in the trash because it is a high privilege to be a bond servant, he says to Jesus Christ. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me. Listen, is, is insignificant dog dung. And I feel like in here, man, if we were honest with ourselves, we wouldn't say the things in our life is insignificant dog dung. The way that we act and live, we hang our hats on them. And he says, no, I've been to countries that no one's even heard of before with the gospel. And that's not what this is about. It's all about Jesus. And then this is how he finishes. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list. Right? Isn't that us? So, we, so we're not naughty and we're nice and we're angry and it's miserable. He says, I'm tired of trying to keep a list. I'm trying to, tired of trying to be good enough and asking God why he doesn't bless me. I haven't believed God. I'm keeping a list of rules when I could get, listen, this is good, the most robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Listen, this is good. John 1, verse 12, right before it says, he became flesh and lived among us. It says that for those who believe, he gave the right to be called children of God. 
And then 2 Corinthians 5 says that I am the righteousness of God if I'm in Christ. Now listen, this is what this means. When God looks down on me and he sees my sin, do you know what he says? What are you talking about? What, what sin? You're my righteousness. You're my son. I love you. I made you on purpose in my image. I clothed you with my glory and honor. I love you, son. I just am waiting on you to say I love you back. Listen to me. The person that is desperate in this room today that is far from God and the person that believes about yourself that you've done a lot of good stuff for God equally need a desperation toward God. This is what I want to know in this place today. I know, listen, I know when I was praying through this message and it changed a week and a half ago because I had something that I thought was good planned and God said, nope, this is what you're going to preach. It was for you. I don't know who you are, but it was for you because it is time this Christmas season that you don't hope for the next gift, but you hope for the one true gift. You hope for the one true gift because it has never been about being naughty or nice. It's never been about being naughty or nice or checking a list and checking it twice, making sure that you're good enough for God. You'll never be good enough for God. And he never planned on you being good enough for God. That's why he sent Jesus to take your place. The only true gift is trusting Christ. Today is the day of salvation for some of you in this place. Today is the day of salvation for some of you in this place. And here's all it means. Jesus, you're my master. I love you back. That's it. That's all salvation is. I declare that I need Jesus above everything else in my life. I'm tired of trying to be good enough. I'm tired of wondering, what is it that's the next thing that I got to do? And I need Jesus to be the Lord of all. And above all, I want Jesus. Listen to me. I believe that's some of you right now. But you can let pride do what it's done to me for all of my life and keep you in your seat and say, no, that's not me, Pastor. That's not me, Pastor. Keep making a list then because you'll be miserable. Listen, my hands are clean if you stay in your seat. But friend, this is for you the person that feels your heart beating fast in your throat closing in, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. I'm asking you to bow your heads right now. Close your eyes right in this moment. And what I want you to do on the count of three, I believe there's many people. We had four last night. I believe there will be much more than that right in this moment. Don't let anything hold you back because the devil is going to whisper in your ear, don't do it. You tell that devil to go to hell and right now is your moment and it's your opportunity and you're going to be saved. On the count of three, you throw your hand up and say, I want the greatest gift of all. One, two, three. Throw it up. Come on. Come on. All around the room as high as you can. I see your hand right there. Who else? All around the room. Throw it up. Throw it up. Throw it up. Where are you? Throw your hand up and say, that's me. As high as you can. Let me see it. Be proud of what God is doing right now in your life. Throw it up as high as you can. Come on. From the oldest person in the room to the youngest person in the room, I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. I believe that there are many people, and here's why I say that. If everybody in here had a radical love relationship with Jesus Christ, this place would be flipped upside down right now. And so what I want to know is, are you the person that's still holding on? This is your moment. Throw your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I am that person. I need to be saved. Let me see your hand right now. That's me. God, it's so exciting that you've saved some more people. But I believe there's people holding on. And so God, when we sing this song, will you just move in their hearts like only you can? And God, as we stand, we, we body of believers, we, that your church, not in this room and not 
in just the name four points, but we who carry the banner, Jesus Christ, we are going to lift our voices and declare that you and you alone are why we're good. You and you alone are why we have hope and why we have peace and why we have joy. We love you, Jesus, and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, y'all stand.